details of my life are quite inconsequential. Read my lips. If you have sex, your penis will fall off and land in another dimension populated entirely by dogs who will eat it. Well, that's something I'd like to avoid. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. I'm a paladin with 18 charisma and 97 hit points. I can use my helm of disintegration and do 1d4 damage as my half-elf mage wields his plus five holy avenger. And as president, I'm going to make it impossible for congressmen or lobbyists to slip pork barrel projects or corporate welfare into laws when no one's looking. Because when I'm president, meetings where laws are written will be more open to the public, no more secrecy. That's a commitment I make to you as president. The Michael Graff Show. It is my opinion he is a danger to himself and others and is in need of treatment. Finally, a guy in broadcasting that represents the very <coughs> average side of us all. The following broadcast is in the hands of a college-educated, barely-employed guy that does a podcast for an audience of fewer people than Paris Hilton has brain cells. Yeah. It's hard to imagine that he's perpetually single. Now, from the middle of desert Urbania, this is Michael Groff in exile. I like the way I clear my throat like that? Yeah. So I roll. Very professional. Hey, welcome in. It's another edition of Michael Groff in Exile on a Monday. It's May 24th, 2010, and apparently, no, it's not Memorial Day. That's next week. Even if it was, I'd still be here maybe doing a podcast. You never know. It's it's very possible. Although, I don't know. I, I always look for excuses not to do them, but whatever. All right, here we go. Mike at KMGX.com. That is our email address. It is Mike at KMGX.com. That's also our PayPal address for your most generous contributions to this program. AOL Instant Messenger, Michael Groff, show the screen name for your instant gratification should you just feel the need to drop me a message. You can always do that over there. All right, um, let's see. EFNet IRC, the Channel Net Radio, all of our contact information and a whole lot more about this here program available at the one, the only, michaelgroff.com. A lot of stuff to get into. Man, this global warming is something else. Uh, I'm, I'm sitting here. I'm doing this podcast. It's, uh, I don't know, it's almost 7 o'clock at night, and it's uh, it's like 70, 72 degrees outside right now here. In, in, we're almost at the end of May. I saw that they uh, they had a, um, a record low in Spokane, Washington. They had the latest spring snow ever in Utah. If this is global warming, I'm all for it. Yeah, I know we're going to snap back to reality later in the week. It's going to go back to temperatures that you would anticipate. 
for late May around here. I know. We're, we're not that lucky. But man, the last couple days I had the, the door was open this morning. It was it was like 50 degrees out this morning. Oh, it, was, it was perfect. We could just have a comprehensive breakdown of the weather on this podcast. We could do a weather cast. Right now, 72 degrees. Wind from the northwest at 7 miles an hour. The barometer is currently falling at uh, 29.93. Anyway, whatever. Could update that every hour. I remember when that was uh, that was one of the jobs I had at the National Weather Service all those years ago. I would I'd literally sit there and uh, I would do the observations at the top of the hours. It was literally like, here are the 3 p.m. Mountain Standard Time observations at Phoenix Sky Harbor Airport under partly cloudy sky. The temperature was 84 degrees, 2.71. You know, we were supposed to just keep it very straight, but of course, you know, I, I wanted to go in there and stick it up. We actually did. There was one guy that did that at the weather service. He, uh, this guy was like a, he was, I think, a, a part timer there. He would do shtick. That's right. We, we had a guy that did shtick on the weather radio. Anyway, nothing. No, who cares? All right. Listen, as if that's fascinating enough, there's a lot of news that goes on around, uh, around the world on a daily basis. There's what Fox News tells you is news. There's what CNN says is news. There's what MSNBC says is news. And you can damn well bet that that's not news. Really, all that matters is what I think is news. Everyone has their own definition of what's newsworthy. The feeling most people get when they hear a Barack Obama speech, my, I felt this thrill going up my leg. I mean, well, I don't have that too often. I guess some people shouldn't be gatekeepers of the news. <laughs> but lucky for you, the decisions are now in the capable hands of this guy. Wow! It's time now for Michael Groff's seven most salient, salacious, and stimulating storylines of the day. All right, it is that time where we go through the biggest stories of the day. Gee, I wonder what's in the news now. Number seven. Well, Barack Obama gave a commencement speech at West Point Academy the other day. And this was, the response that he received from the audience was what I would best describe as tepid tepid you know not really warm not really cold just sort of modest we got to play some of the audio from this he uh he got a a polite applause but certainly not a rousing cheer from the crowd it's like they had to hold up signs to tell him when to laugh they had to hold up signs to tell him when to applaud they they the text of barack obama's speech to west point was published and in the opening line you know how Barack Obama is with the teleprompter. <laughs> so in the in the opening line, it says, uh, he says, gee, that was a lot of applause. But Barack Obama being the magnanimous speaker that he is, because he didn't get that much applause when he walked out, he, uh, he decided to drop that line. He can think on the fly, Jeff. He is, uh, he's the president. That's change you can believe in. He's the president of the people. All right. By the way, Jeff here in studio. I just thought I'd give that a mention. Because 
Otherwise, you'd think I was just talking to an imaginary friend, which I do make up from time to time. That's what depression does to you. Number six. Oh, it's the old story of gays in the military. Oh, that's back again. God, why can't we just escape this somehow? Why is this still an issue in 2010? I don't get it. I don't know. I don't understand. Number five. The NBA playoffs continue. The Suns came back with a vengeance last night, beating the Lakers 118-109. Amari Stoudemire, after receiving all the criticism from, well, among other people, yours truly, uh, he got 42 points, 11 rebounds, a block shot. Steve Nash, 17 points, 15 assists. It was... It was a Laker beatdown last night in Phoenix. Uh, they're probably still not going to win the series, but at least we were able to stave off a little bit of the national media sitting there carrying on about Lakers-Celtics. I we, we have to talk about Lakers-Celtics. You know, national media, Colin Coward and all these other guys, you can just shut your mouths uh, for a little while longer. It would give me great pleasure. I would almost sell my soul if I still had one. I would almost sell my soul for the opportunity just for the Suns to come back in this series and shut up the pompous national media over there at Fox Sports Radio and ESPN and all you jackasses that are sitting there breaking down Lakers Celtics. Uh. Listen, we all know that the Magic are not coming back from down 3-0. Uh, the Magic looked terrible. It talks about how Boston has had a revival and Boston's back and, man, what a great team and Rajon Rondo and blah, 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 blah. They're playing a team that quit. Let's not get too excited. The Boston Celtics are playing a team that quit. And, I mean, they quit and, and they have one of the biggest playoff disappointments since Alex Rodriguez on the roster in Dwight Howard. I'm sorry, but you might want to actually show up when it counts. I'm just saying. Number four. So last week, we didn't get to really talk about this. This is a little bit of old news, so I do apologize for going here, but uh, the president of Mexico, President Calderon, I almost called him Vincente Fox. That would have been insensitive. Not that it matters, because he came to the U.S. and he lambasted Arizona for its SB 1070. They bl Mexico blasted us because we dare have a law that, well, that actually, another law that just reinforces existing federal law. By the way, if you're an illegal immigrant in Mexico, well, let's just say it's going to take a lot of traveler's checks and a whole heap of $100 bills to bribe your way out of that one. Number three. three. South Korea and North Korea preparing for war, possibly? No, you didn't step into a time warp. This isn't 1950, but it does seem like it, doesn't it? The uh, Well, the South is a little bit upset at the idea of the North sinking one of their ships. And you can probably understand that. Number two. One of the top officials at the Immigration and Customs Enforcement uh, offices says that, um, well, you know, about that Bill 1070 that you have in, uh, in Arizona, you know, what if we just decided we're not going to enforce it? What if, what if you decide you're going to round up those illegals and uh, you decide to send them to us and then we just don't enforce it? What are you going to do then, huh? Huh? What are you going to do, huh? What are you going to do? Yes, this is our government now. Um, 
A state passes a law and the feds say, we don't like your law. We're just not going to enforce it. See, this is exactly why Arizona is taking it upon itself to do something in the first place because of this kind of attitude, the divisiveness in our own government. Divisiveness in the Obama administration? No! Number one. Number one. Speaking of the federal government not stepping in, the oil spill in the Gulf. Oh, boy. I have to keep harping on this simply because it was such a big deal after Hurricane Katrina. Everybody kept talking about, well, President Bush and FEMA just not acting fast enough, not doing enough. I I don't see the results. Well, uh, the same could be said here. It took the federal government 11 days to do anything about it. Jenna Napolitano, man, Jan was down there. She went down to the Gulf and uh, the oil got scared and all ran to the Yucatan. No, actually, she went down there to give a news conference. I don't know why. I don't know what oil has to do with Homeland Security. There's a little CYA going on down there from the administration, that's for sure. But the funny thing is, is they, everybody in the government wants to let you know from day one they were on this. Uh, Jenna Napolitano actually went as far as to say that He actually went as far as to say that we were pre-deploying vessels uh, down there. Yeah, pre-deploying. That was the word she used. Pre-deploying. Is that like pre-boarding? Which is a word that doesn't even exist, but you hear it all the time? Pre-boarding. It's sort of like... um, I guess it's sort of like a, a, uh, a what, a pre-preview or a, uh, it's redundantly repetitive. Just one of those things that just doesn't even make sense. Well, then again, what do you expect? That's Janet, the system work Napolitano. Uh, she also had a little slip up. It, it seems that she kept referring to the Gulf of Mexico as an ocean. Now... Now, far be it for me to get something as technical as that. I have to make my own retraction on the show tonight. I've decided that a new feature on the podcast, I've just, I've decided this myself uh, the last few days, that another fun feature will be, you know, having to recant for my own F-ups on the, uh, on the show. So I have to go back and make one as well. But it's just, just so you know, it's, it's a gulf, Janet. It's not an ocean. It's not a sea, actually, even. Now, I know because it has water and it's salt water and it's got tides and beaches. and I know that might make you think it's called an ocean, but it actually has a proper name. It is called the Gulf of Mexico. Just, just letting you know. I don't want to be too technical. I don't want to get caught up in the, in the semantics here, but it does have a proper name and, and you should probably address it by that. I'm just saying... You're kind of the Secretary of Homeland Security, which is scary enough in and of itself. All right, well, that's just some of the stuff that's on my radar as of right now. Who needs billion-dollar cable news when you've got Michael Graff? All right, so um, we have a lot to get to. Obviously, we also have the Michael Graff Show stupid news file, and I, I man, it's... Um, 
It's filled to the brim. Okay, we've got we've got so much stuff going on there. I've got a lot of stuff I didn't get to. We've got uh, the president of Mexico who says that the United States, well, um, not so much Estados Unidos, but rather just the state of Arizona. Uh, we are um, well somehow uh, we're racists, and uh, we are uh, potentially we're violating some sort of human rights laws. The best part about it was that while he's saying this, well, the president of Mexico came to the United States last week to talk about this. Um, and you have to forgive me; we haven't done a podcast since uh, the president of Mexico, his uh, His Holiness, or whatever we're calling him this week, uh, decided to come up here and uh, he went to the White House and. Um, and uh, sat there with uh, with President Barack Obama. Uh, he, I guess he decided that uh, Barack Obama decided to to join in on this. They they you know all gave their applause after lambasting the United States, specifically the state of Arizona, over SB ten seventy. And I I have to tell you, um, I'm sort of wondering um, what what side is the president on. I'm wondering if Ronald Reagan would have tolerated the president of another country coming to the United States and blasting a state in our union. Now, listen, it's okay to have an opinion. We're not saying that you can't have an opinion. It's just that um, your opinion, well, it's wrong. I mean, it's... (laughs) No, I mean, the state of Arizona... If you're going to be mad at the state of Arizona over SB 1070, then you better be mad at uh, California. What do they have? Uh, What is that called? The Section 834B, I think it's called, where... Police have an obligation to enforce uh, illegal immigration laws. Uh, we have uh, other states that have uh, similar measures that are being proposed. We have an existing federal law that says the same thing. Basically, we uh, I don't understand why this is a controversy. It's it continues on. We have been talking about this for weeks and weeks, and yet somehow it's still a controversy. This should have been a controversy, what, uh, 20, 30, 40 years ago when we put the uh, the original federal immigration law on the books? I'm pretty sure that talk radio back then was not sitting here and debating it nearly as much as we are now. This is a state. This is a state that is exercising its right. People are commenting. We got Eric Holder threatening lawsuits. He hasn't read the damn thing. We played that last week. Remember, again, let me just... Hold on. I, I, I have to do this. I have to do this. Far be it for me to want to repeat podcasts and everything, but I just have to play this again because many of you may not realize this. So we have an attorney general that comments on laws and threatens lawsuits, and he hasn't even read the bill. Uh, once again, here is our esteemed attorney general, Eric Holder, being questioned by Representative Ted Poe of the state of Texas. Have you read the Arizona law? Uh, I have not had a chance to, I've glanced at it, I have not read it. Um, with this. It's 10 pages, it's a lot shorter than the uh, health care bill, which was 2,000 pages long. I'll give you my copy of it if you uh, would like to, to have a copy. Uh, even though you haven't read the law, do you have an opinion as to whether it's constitutional? Uh, I have not really, I've not been briefed yet. Um, we, as I said, have had underway a review of the law. I have not been briefed by the people who have been responsible, who are responsible for that review. Are you going to read the law? I'm sure I will read the law in anticipation of that briefing. I know that they will put that in front of me, and I'll spend a good evening um, reading that law. Well, I've gone through it, and um, it's pretty simple. It takes the federal law and makes it, uh, uh, enacts it in a state statute, although makes it much more uh, um, 
refined in that it actually says uh, in one of the sections, uh, the no state or subdivision may consider race, color, national origin, and implementing the requirements of any subsection of this law. Uh, seems to outlaw racial profiling in the law. I know there's been a lot of media hype about the, uh, the legislation. Uh, do you see a difference in the constitutionality of a statute and the constitutionality of the application of that statute? Do you see there's a difference in those two? Sure, there's a potential for uh, challenging a law on its face and then challenging a law as it is applied. Um, so there are two bases for um, challenging a particular statute. Yeah. Uh, thanks a lot for that. Appreciate it. There's your Attorney General, Eric Holder. No, I haven't. asking one person read the friggin' law. One. Uh, one person in our government read the law. We got a government that maybe wants to nationalize uh, oil. I'll uh, Hugo Chavez. We got other people threatening to sue laws because they haven't read them. And, and what do we pay all these people? What do we pay the $200,000 for our representative? What does the attorney general make, by the way? What are we paying him for? No wonder 41% of the people... Uh, did I just read this? 41% of the people believe that uh, if you just randomly pick somebody out of the phone book, they'd be a better representative. <laughs> wow. All right, we'll be back. It's Michael Groff in exile on... A Monday. We have uh, more poll numbers too coming up in just a moment. Stick around. Uh, coming right back. Segment number two on a Monday. It's a ba -ba 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 Monday. Nothing to share. Why should I? Coming up on Monday. 
holiday-related bumpers on the Michael Graff experience. <laughs> hey, everybody, it's the morning. It's the Monday Madness Mayhem Morning Zoo. <laughs> That's right, all Monday-related bumpers. I know, I'm starting to sound like that. It's the Tom Lagan Show. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm uh, completely out of the radio business. I'm, I'm, you know, sort of, I'm doing pop music stations and uh, bad, bad formats now. It's Monday-related bumpers. It's your classic hit station. If you want to call up and have sex, a 52-year-old guy that used to do radio where I talked about sex. Call out. 1-800-500-TOMS. See, I had the post right there because I'm badass. You know, I tried that prolexus. like seven bottles of the stuff. Then I found out it's not a prophylactic. <laughs> That's right, it doesn't go up there. Luckily, my hemorrhoids all got a lot bigger. It's the Tom Lagos show. Nothing lamer than uh, radio guys that do, you know. I'm doing uh, daytime. I'm doing uh, Monday-related bumpers, everybody. Well, I'm adding Monday from the, uh, from the, uh, from the Bengals. I was called the Bengals. And uh, here's a little bit of uh, Boomtown Rats. You know, there's a song we could all relate to. If you're getting up right now, you go to work. Man, it sucks out there. Gotta go to the drive and everything. And, uh, there's a song for you, man. It's your theme song. It's, it's got a nice little long piano. It's uh, mostly uh, clear right now. It's uh, 71 degrees outside. Take you to work. Boomtown Rats. I don't like Monday. Silicon chip inside her head gets switched to overload. Yeah. And nobody's gonna go to school. She's gonna make them stay at home And daddy doesn't understand it He always said she was good as gold And he can see My morning show would be the best Because I, I would go on the air and I would do that voice I would just do that Why not? Everybody else does it They just sort of try to disguise it I'd be deliberately cheesy This is my demo tape, I'm sending it That's it Tell me why. Tell me if along with the toads. They'd be like, who is that? Who's that ass on the radio? You know, in today's world of PPM, I'd probably do okay with that, though. As long as I just kept the music playing. That's the thing about music. Now, you'll notice that uh, if on your local terrestrial station, if you listen to a morning show, uh, you'll notice how they're probably playing a lot more music than they used to because now in the world of radio, you've got PPM. That's the people meter. So they get more kind of direct, uh, instantaneous results. And they found out that people really don't like talk in the morning. How about that? Well, 
in most cases. Like talk stations, specifically formatted talk stations, do fine. And a few, a select few talk shows that are normally on music stations do okay. But most guys, they found out, just aren't very entertaining. But as long as they played music pretty regularly, they were okay. So we go back to the days of uh, a guy having to play like 10, 10 songs an hour and he squeezes like a little like 30 second bit between them. He takes some, some you know, kid that calls up and... Are you old enough to be called the radio station, kid? She wants to play with the toys of and schools early and soon. Your parents were barely even alive when those shot was outside. It's hot today. And then the bull <laughs> Thank you. I just had to do that. All right, it's our wacky bumper day coming up. We'll do. Uh, we'll do uh, tomorrow. We'll do. Uh, we'll do two for Tuesday where we do two crazy. H- we're gonna. We're gonna throw the music right at. We're gonna. We're gonna. Listen. The program director. He's in the men's room right now. He's not even listening. He's probably listening to our sister station. So we're gonna put on some wacky music for our two for Tuesday. I'm getting right up at the microphone because uh, that way the the program director doesn't hear me and you can hear my uh, deep resonating voice as I. Get right up into the microphone, baby. Yeah, two for Tuesday, and uh, we're gonna do a little. Uh, we're gonna do a little uh, Tuesday. Uh, what, what are we gonna do? Tuesday morning? No, Tuesday. Tuesday afternoon first. No, we we should do Tuesday. Yeah, we're gonna be crazy. We're gonna do Tuesday afternoon first, and then Tuesday morning. It's the Moody Blues. It's your classic hit station, ninety six five, the Geezer. See, this is it. This is what I'm going to do. And I'll tell you what, right now, I can, I'll syndicate this. It'll be your your own morning show. You just have to put in the commercials. All you have to do is put in the commercials. I'll, I'll even set up the spot break for you and everything, baby. Radio is getting so lame. As long as you, as long as you keep the music going in the background, that's why whenever jocks talk, they always have to have music going in the background because somehow... Radio listeners are so stupid that as long as they hear something in the background, even if somebody is talking, they're, they're, they'll probably stick around. Even if it's the Moody Blues. And I have nothing against the Moody Blues personally, but, you know, there's a reason that it's not on the radio very much. Except on 96.5 The Geezer, where Rock died 40 years ago. So did most of our listeners. And yeah, then we'll we'll slip in a we'll slip in a Tuesday uh, Tuesday morning. Here you go. See this this is um, this is the problem now. The problem was actually yesterday, um, I was I was out and about yesterday. And uh, you know, the problem is I didn't have I didn't have any you know, I don't I don't own an iPod. This is the thing, okay? I don't have an iPod. I know, I'm like the only guy that doesn't have an iPod or an equivalent from Creative Labs or whatever. I don't have a personal music system. All I have is my Walkman. I know I have a Walkman, okay? Uh, yes. 
I'm just I'm I'm as outdated as the songs I'm playing right now. Okay, but anyway, the point is is I, I'm I'm so I'm stuck listening to terrestrial radio yesterday before the baseball game comes on. All right. I don't even have a portable satellite radio. All right, look, just get off my ass. You don't have an iPod. You don't have a, a, a port. Uh, 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 you don't have a, a portable satellite radio. You don't have. You you have a Walkman, dude. You are so 1985. Yeah, I know. The point is, I'm trying to find something. And, and first of all, no wonder nobody listens to terrestrial radio anymore. It's it's all commercials for one thing. And two, it's. It's programmed so badly, and anybody that does come on the radio, they're on for about two seconds. There's no personality in the business anymore. Now, this is not exactly news. I'm not sitting here breaking down. <laughs> We're not exactly going and delving into breaking news here. I'm just trying to tell you that it is not a personality-driven medium at all anymore. Because apparently the research shows, and the PPM data, which I guess is now considered God in the business somehow... Even though there are many people that don't really accept it, but whatever, uh, the PPM data shows that as soon as there's talk on the station, as soon as people start piping up for more than about, I don't know, uh, 30 seconds a minute, that's it, it's dead, you're done. You could be coming on the air and telling them that right now the Russians have launched a volley of nuclear missiles, they're coming for us right now. And they would tune out. They'd, they'd hear, yeah, they'd, they'd hear those alert tones for the emergency alert system. And they'd be out of there before that. As soon as they hear that, they're like, nah, it's just another test. Even if it wasn't, even if just people came on and said, you know, it was in the middle of a song. Here at Geezer 96.5, we have a breaking news. That's it. You'd be gone right there. Hey, my music. Uh, the Russians have just launched a volley of nuclear missiles at us. Uh, yeah, we're we're uh, we we have uh, we have about uh, five minutes to live. We know at least three of them are headed straight for the Phoenix metro area, and uh, we're dead. The guy'd be like, oh, I wonder what else is on. <laughs> Literally, I mean, that's what would happen. I mean, the PPM data shows that it doesn't matter what information you're giving. It could be uh, there is a five mile wide tornado that is swiping that is sweeping through the downtown. Yeah, you know what? Screw that. They wouldn't want to hear it. That is, uh, that's kind of the state of uh, the radio biz today. All right, whatever. Who cares? Um, now, uh, I have to I have to address this. Uh, we have a poll out here on the, on the Barack Obama administration. Just another poll showing more low approval numbers. Uh, Rasmussen poll shows that uh, 44% approve of the job that Barack Hussein Obama is currently doing in the White House. 44% approval rating. This is, um, well, it's, it's not really good. Let's see, 25% uh, of the nation's voters strongly approve of the way that Barack Obama is performing as in his role as president, while 43% strongly disapprove. Giving Obama a presidential approval index of minus 18. Now, see, this, this is where you really start to... The people that strongly approve are outnumbered by the people that strongly disapprove. 43 to 25%. 
This is all following the passage of health care. Enthusiasm for the president among Democrats has soared. But today, just 19 or rather 49 percent, 49 percent of Democrats strongly approve of Obama's performance. That's down from a high of 65 percent. It remains to be seen whether this is temporary, whether it's sort of an aberration or whether this is the real change that's coming in the Obama administration. I've noticed I've noticed, and I was I was shocked. I have to tell you right now, I, I did. This is just, I, I know some of you might be trying to eat while you're listening to the podcast. I actually had to change my underwear today. I dropped a deuce in there when I found out, when, when I actually saw CNN. I know this is unbelievable, believe it or not. CNN, which is basically sort of, uh, which has been, generally speaking, uh, just an extension of the uh, of the Obama White House. CNN actually said they, they there was actually a piece critical of Obama's reaction time and the administration's reaction time to the oil spill in the Gulf. I, I again, I have to tell you, I was shocked. It smelled a little bit in my living room the other day when I saw that. The president's approval index is calculated by subtracting the number of who strongly dis... This is for people... Uh, <laughs> this is done for people in Kentucky, okay? Uh, the index is calculated by subtracting the number who strongly disapprove from the number who strongly approve. Yeah, overall, 44% approve of the job that Barack Obama is doing. Either strongly approve or approve... Uh, just 27% are even somewhat confident that Congress knows what it is doing when addressing the nation's economic challenges. I'm surprised that number is even that high. You know, before I have, uh, before I address, um, <laughs> wow, what was that? What the hell was that? A, a piece of the desk just fell. You know, this might be something we might want to edit out of the podcast, but I'm just saying that a piece of the desk just fell. I'll just put that over there and uh, I'll fix that in a minute. I have to point this out. Now, if, if stuff is done falling over here, if, if, we're, if the place is done falling apart long enough, uh, I can probably finish this up. So uh, there's this. This is just unbelievable. <laughs> So many of you are probably familiar with Cambridge University. We're talking about one of the world's premier academic institutions. We're talking about uh, if you are, if you went to Cambridge, you are, as far as anyone is concerned, an academic god. Whether or not you actually have any intelligence, well, that remains to be seen. But in terms of sheer academia, it is at least something of an, of an accomplishment to go there. The bottom line is really smart people are supposed to be at Cambridge. And I say supposed to be because I bring you the following. Apparently, they, uh, they had a building that they put up. They, uh, they put up a, a building that cost 1.3 million pounds. It's an extension to the building. They uh, wanted to ins they they wanted to have an inscription put on the building. Okay, they wanted to have an inscription put on the building that would inspire students. Uh, it's a line from Aristotle which translates to "All men by nature desiring to know." The word uh, that they put up is 
Fousey. Fousey. P-H-U-S-E-I. P-H-U-S-E-I, meaning by nature. They spelled with an English S rather than the Greek letter sigma, which looks similar to a capital E, which is why I'm reading it like this. Details of the blunder came to light after the department's professor of classics, Mary Beard, complained about it on her blog. She also, she also criticized the glass doors on which the inscription appears as they are too heavy to open manually. They can be operated using an electronic system uh, intended for wheelchair users, but this is uh, so slow that it causes rage and bottlenecks. They apparently, um, they apparently consulted with, um, with people that didn't go to Cambridge in building this, uh, this extension of the building. Yeah, they didn't use the Greek letter S. Whoops. Professor Beard, 55, wrote, quote, even the gods have shown their disapproval by their own, uh, I just, I just saw a picture of this. I'm sorry. I just saw, um, I mean, it's, it's a, it, you know, it's a beautiful building. They, they did a, they did a fine job and everything. That's, that's great. Uh, quote, we decided to have some nice ancient writings across the, offend, across the offending doors. One of the quotes chosen was uh, the famous line by Aristotle, but, uh, but look what S, an English S, not a Greek S. Turning your ire to the doors themselves, she added, quote, to open them, you have to press an electronic open door button and then sweep aside dramatically and in front of you dramatically and slowly. So at busy times, like on the hour when lectures are changing over, there is a mass of bodies trying to get into and out of the building, uh, but needing to wait for, um, for the stately pace of the doors operation. In any case, as soon as you push the open and then someone pushes from the other side, it, uh, the, the doors, uh, well, then they just sort of operate on their own. And so anyway, they spent, I want to emphasize, they spent 1.3 million pounds on this. That's about 2 million bucks, a little bit more than 2 million bucks. 2 million bucks on building on a building where they misspelled, where they misspelled, misspelled a word. They wrote it in the English uh, way, not the Greek manner. And they build doors that you can't open. Uh, I'm sorry I'm half an hour late for the lecture. Terribly sorry about all that. Yes, uh, I was trying to get the doors open. Now, they're ratty things. They're rat rubbish, I tell you. Absolutely rubbish. The nearby uh, faculty, blah, 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 blah. Who cares? All right, well, there you have it. One of the premier learning institutions in the world. What else have we got here? Um, oh, look at this. Congress. Congress is responding to the massive BP oil spill. Well, luckily, never have to fear, Congress is here. Yes, our own Congress is right on it. They're going to make sure that everything gets cleaned up and everything's going to be handled properly. Here's how Congress solves a problem. Congress is getting ready to 
quadruple to 32 cents a barrel attacks on oil used to help finance cleanups. The increase would raise nearly $11 billion over the next decade. The tax is levied on oil produced in the United States or imported from foreign countries. The revenue uh, goes to a fund managed by the Coast Guard to help pay for cleanup of spills and waterways, such as, let's just say, the Gulf of Mexico. The tax in, I'm sorry, the Ocean of Mexico, according to Janet Napolitano. The tax increase is part of a larger bill that has grown into a nearly $200 billion grab bag of unfinished business that lawmakers hope to complete before Memorial Day. The key provisions are a one-year extension of about a uh, of about 50 popular tax breaks that expired at the uh, end of last year and expanded unemployment benefits, including uh, subsidies for health insurance through the end of the year. Uh, this is just uh, more stuff from lawmakers. So their idea is let's quadruple the tax on the oil companies. Let's just tax them because that way uh, we'll be able to afford these big cleanups, even though it took us 11 days to respond to this damn thing in the first place. But we pre-deployed vessels. We pre-deployed them. According to Jenna Napolitano, that's what we did. From day one, we pre-deployed them. How do you pre-deploy something? You know, that's kind of like if you say, I'm fixing to get ready. What that means is, I'm thinking about getting ready. I'm thinking about doing an action that prepares me for what I'm going to do later. That's sort of a, uh, what is that? that? That's Like I said before, that's like a pre-preview. I'm not actually going to view it. I'm not going to preview it. I'm going to pre-preview. What does that mean? I don't know. It means I'm going to stare at, a, stare at an empty monitor for a while in preparation for preparing. Then uh, as we continue with the golf, there's, there's all sorts of things to talk about as it pertains to the golf. Um, we have, uh, well, BP says that they're working on it. They're doing the best they can to fill this uh, this hole that's spilling out of the ground. But what I say is, I know some people say, well, it's TransOcean's fault, Mike. It's not really BP. You know, BP is just the financier here. It's TransOcean. This is their deal. They're the ones that should pay it. Listen, I don't care who pays. My point is BP's the oil company, TransOcean, whoever, one of them needs to pay. The federal government should not be the ones that's paying for this. The federal government is not the one that should be paying uh, because that's our tax dollars. Thank you. Our federal government didn't cause the problem. Now, some would say, oh, but they did because they didn't regulate the oil industry or we allowed the oil companies to set up offshore, blah, 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 blah. You know, we're benefiting from some of this oil as well and yada, yada. I had to break it down for you last week. If it's your fault, you fix it. That's the bottom line. If you spilled the milk on the table, you clean up the milk on the table. If you did it, you clean it up. That, that makes a lot of sense to me. I know I'm called evil. I, I, I think somebody, uh, somebody the other day said that, uh, that I was, I was uh, clearly in the wrong here because I actually advocated that the people responsible for the mess clean it up themselves. Well, we all know the federal government really isn't going to do anything about it, even though they say they are. They're pre-deploying and they're deploying and they're post-deploying and they're doing as much as they can. And Janet Napolitano doesn't even know the difference between a gulf and an ocean, for God's sake. But she's down there. She's talking about it. Isn't she the Secretary of Homeland Security? Is this oil posing a terrorist risk to us? Is it posing a, a risk to our security? 
I mean, I'm sure that maybe the seagulls are going to get awfully damn pissed off that we're uh, that we're interrupting their food supply, and they might rebel. They might take dumps on some cars. I could imagine that a seagull is awfully damn pissed off that we just took a big old oily crap in their in their food supply. Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. Yeah. That it was an oil spill that caused him to get all pissy. Yeah, Jeff noting that was the subtext to Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. I think it is. Maybe the fish are probably pissed off. Again, we just we just left an oily big old mess in, in their in their living space, in their house. They don't like that. They can't breathe that. We're gonna have all sorts of, you know, they're gonna have fish asthma. And <laughs> I mean, we're making a joke about it, but it's it's really serious. I mean, we're talking about permanent, and I say permanent because this will have, for all intents and purposes, it will have ripple effects that will last for uh, potentially centuries. The only reason we're still not talking about the Exxon Valdez is because, well, it happened in 1989. That's like five lifetimes ago. That almost didn't even... That's like the Pilgrims. 1989. That might as well be... I mean, that's like... That didn't even happen. That's like a parallel universe at that point, 1989. So we're not talking about it, but guess what? The damage is still there. The ecological damage has still been done. The ecological damage is being done in the Gulf right now. I'm sorry. There's no other way to spin this. And uh, the state of Louisiana has asked for help, and they're not seeing it. And the, the federal government saying, well, we're going to do something. We're going to do something. The state of Louisiana, just like Arizona, seeing that the, that the federal government is ostensibly useless right now, they just decided to take matters into their own hands. They're, gonna, they're trying to clean up the mess themselves. They're doing the necessary stuff. They're dumping some chemicals in there. They're, uh, they're you know, uh, blowing up these, uh, these, these big old things in the water. They're trying their best to divert this oil from coming up the, uh, coming up the, uh, the mouth of the Mississippi there. No thanks. They don't want that. Just what New Orleans needs. Another reason not to go there. If you're not flooded out by a hurricane, can you imagine what would happen now? If a hurricane came ashore, see this is see this is the nightmare scenario that I I dream about at night because well listen I'm um, I'm 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 pretty negative I'm pretty pessimistic I'm seeing the gloom and doom and the gloom and doom scenario here really is and I, I'm serious about this the gloom and doom scenario okay we're like a week away from the start of hurricane season. Hurricane season gets started, and let's just say a storm forms in the Gulf of Mexico in June. It would, uh, it's happened. So let's say it doesn't even have to be a major hurricane. Okay, let's just say a category one hurricane develops in the Gulf of Mexico now here, you know, in the next few weeks. That oil isn't going anywhere. We all know that hurricanes, they, they churn up a lot of water around them, and they start piling that water up. What happens that 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 hurricane comes ashore on the Louisiana coast or the Texas coast or the or the Alabama Mississippi coast something like that? I mean that oil is all coming ashore then, and we're going to churn up a lot of that crap that's under there, the tar balls and all that stuff. We're going to be we're going to be churning that up. We're going to be sending that ashore, and it's going to be big old disaster time. See, a lot of people aren't talking about it because really, up until the last couple of days, most of that oil has not come ashore. For the most part, it's been offshore, it's under the water, so who cares, right? I mean, yeah, you might pay a few bucks more for some shrimp at the Red Lobster. I hope not. Lobster Festa, I think, is ending. 
which is very, or uh, Shrimp Fest is ending, which I think is very disappointing. Really want some shrimp. You're going to be paying a few bucks more, but you know what? Ultimately, who cares? It's, it's, it happened in the water. I mean, hell, we dumped garbage out in the water. Nobody cares about that. A big old garbage patch just floating out there. That's a great idea. What are we going to do with all this garbage? I don't know. I got some idea. We got 70% of the earth is done covered with water. Let's just float a big old barge out there and dump dump the garbage in there. I mean, we'll dump it way, way out so it can't possibly wash up nowheres. That's good. You ever think sometimes humanity just is stupid? You ever think sometimes maybe humanity just doesn't, we don't actually deserve to exist on this planet? Maybe, maybe Darwinism is going to come true and we're just going to wipe off ourselves out we're going to wipe the entire race out you think maybe that could happen it's not going to be a pothos that kills us it's not going to be some big asteroid it's not going to be a comet it's not going to be billions of years when the sun finally decides it's had enough No, it's going to be, we're, we're just going to be so stupid. We're, our own stupidity, the weight of our own stupidity will kill us. That's probably what's going to happen sooner or later. I mean, if the government doesn't kill us, the oil will. If the oil doesn't kill us, uh, some, some idiot will. So another guy will spill a can of Pepsi on a console at a nuclear power plant someplace. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being overly cynical today possible but when i see stuff like this when i see well you know uh, we're gonna we're fixing to get out there we're pre-deploying we're gonna get out there and, and help you clean this up and then the solution here's the solution so the solution the government solution government always comes up with the best solutions to the problem government says well we'll just raise the tax on oil that should prevent spills hey hey oil platform you're not allowed to explode we've got higher taxes on you oh well why didn't you say so That's, that's, that's the solution. We'll raise taxes. Oh, and, um, we'll, um, we'll go after big oil. That's the solution. How about, how about this? Here's an idea. How about you actually have some safety protocols on, um, on your oil platforms? We all know that uh, the, the reports are, are, are out now. It's well-documented. Uh, BP, Transocean, whoever operated this, uh, well, both really, I guess, that operated this oil platform, uh, there was a lot of safety issues that were clearly being ignored. We don't bother to, we don't bother to, to look into any kind of safety issues whatsoever. It's the same thing with the mines. Same situation. Those people that have died in, in mining accidents in China, in our own country. Nobody. Listen, people uh, report safety issues all the time. And guess what? They're ignored. They're encouraged not to report them. Or they may lose their job if they report the issues. Um, yeah, we, we have uh, way too much gas. And the whole thing could cave in. Hey, don't, don't tell anybody. The White House Budget Office sent a letter supporting the proposal... I'm glad the White House is behind this. I'm also glad that the White House is once again getting involved in don't ask, don't tell. 
I'm so glad that we're revisiting that issue once again, whether or not gays should be in the military or whether or not gays should, uh, whether or not we should know that there are gays in the military. Look, I know the classic arguments are out there. I know we've talked about this. If we've talked about it once, we've talked about it a million times. Do you really want to share a foxhole with a guy that's gay? But I have to tell you, and this is just me. I know there's a lot of other people that are out there that feel differently. I have to tell you, if I was... If I was being shot at, okay, if, I'm, if I got mortar shells raining down around me, if I got somebody, some, some uh, Al-Qaeda nitwit on the top of a, of a building firing RPGs off someplace and I'm standing there and I got one guy standing next to me and, you know, he's got his cute little bobby socks on or whatever the hell, you know, he's, he's wearing his whatever. You know, he's got his lipstick on and he's standing there and he's got a gun and I got a gun. And, and you know what? The only the only thing that's protecting me is him. And the only thing that's protecting him is me. You know, and I don't really care if he's gay, quite frankly. I really don't care in any circumstance. I guess I'm just that way. I really don't care if a guy is gay and he's in the military. If he can serve his country like anybody else and it's not an issue, then who cares? Now, now, if he says, if, if the guy says, if the guy goes and he goes, you know, I just don't really want to do this war thing right now. I'm just not feeling it. Why? Because I'm gay. That's why. There's something you really should know about me, and this is why I can't serve, officer. Why is that? Because I'm gay, sir. I am really just... Fl- Listen, I watch Sex in the City. I went to... Uh, I'm, I'm waiting for Sex in the City too, and um, I I just saw I, I'm I can't oh my god I just I can't I can't take it I I've seen Rent forty six times and I just don't I want to see it a forty seventh I want to live officer sir all right <clears throat> um so the White House is revisiting this. This is not even an issue. This should just be something that, I, I don't know, uh, Barack Obama's okay or he's not okay with it or, or he's sort of on the fence about it. I mean, the White House has wavered around on this issue. Uh, everybody has sort of decided to back away from the issue, but yet we're still sort of tap dancing around, sort of pussyfooting around the issue. Hello, everybody. Who cares? If gays are in the military, fine. If, uh, if they're out in the open, fine. I'm fine with it. If somebody else isn't, well, grow up. I mean, I, I, Newsflash to, the, to uh, you people that are dragging your knuckles on the ground and living under rocks and uh, who just don't get it. You know, I know some guy who signed up for the military to get away from them fags in Oklahoma. I'm speaking specifically to you right now. You might have to deal with the fact that 10% of the population is gay. All right. And whether or not a guy has come out of the closet or not, you may very well be sharing a room with a guy that's gay. You very well may be in a foxhole or a tank with a guy that's gay. Hell, it's very possible that you may be in with multiple gay people. This would be the time where you just might have to suck it up and deal with it. Yeah, no pun intended. I mean, if you want to suck it up and deal with it, that's cool too. I mean, I've heard some stories about some of the things that goes on. I mean, listen, you're away from your wives, your girlfriends for a long time, and you're surrounded by dudes or chicks that look like Jenna Napolitano. You know, there's a certain class of woman that's in the military typically. 
especially when we're talking about the army. I mean, we're talking about some lifting going on here. Usually it's not people that are five foot one and a hundred pounds. These are people that would be on the uh, high side of the uh, body mass index. All right. These would be people that, you know, um, they, they wear comfortable shoes. These would be people that probably uh, know more about football than you do. Women. You know, these would be the kind of, uh, these would be, you know, over-the-road truck drivers. Maybe they chew some tobacco. Maybe they have some teeth missing. You know, uh, maybe, maybe uh, they they have the, the genitalia that Lady Gaga has. <laughs> Which we still don't know exactly what it is, but we think it's a wang. <laughs> that's, that's the thought that's going on. We... St- I'm going to go to the highest available authority. Jeff, what do you think? Uh, I have no idea. He, he has no idea. That's the highest available authority I could go to right now. I mean, we could we could dial somebody on the phone and, and find out if uh, anybody else knows. We could just dial a random number, which according to uh, many people in this country, that would be a better way to elect a representative. I don't want to do it. All right, what I do want to do, not even so much a want, it's a need. We need to take a break. Where are my wacky bumpers? Do we have one for Wednesday? Since we're, we got through the days of the week, we need some wacky bumpers. I, I know we have a Wednesday bumper. Hold on. Where's our, where's our, here we go. Um, there we go. I was, sometimes the system, it just needs a, a break of its own. It's a little Alicia Loeb. It's wedding for Wednesday. It's a wacky Wednesday. Actually, it's Monday. And it's Michael Graff in exile. I'm confused. What What is today? It's Monday still, right? It's getting late. All right, we'll be back. Michael Graff in exile. More coming up. Show you I gotta tell you Tool of the week I have to tell you about. By the way, welcome back. Michael Graff in Exile, segment number three. Mike at KMGX.com, our email and PayPal address. Please send money. How's that? Michael Graff Show, AOL Instant Messenger, MichaelGraff.com for all of your various Michael Graff stuff. All right, now listen. We have a tool of the week, and this is this is just an example of hot chick that's just really stupid. 
And you'll find in life, I, I found this really, hot chicks, generally speaking, the hotter the chick, the dumber they are. And this is, generally speaking, a female's attractiveness is uh, inversely proportionate to their intelligence. Now, this is not always the case. I am just saying it's a rule. There is always exceptions to the rule. Please do not send me emails saying, I'm an attractive female and I smart. I, I so smart. I went to Cambridge and everything. But listen, I'm telling you right now, um, the dumbest, one of the dumbest people going right now as we speak has to be Megan Fox, uh, 24 years old. Now, that, that in and of itself should tell you, 24 years old, I know you think you know everything. Oh, my God, I'm 24. I know it all. I've been in movies. I was in Transformers. And uh, so I guess she had a little problem with Michael Bay, the director of Transformers. She had a little issue. Uh, she had several little issues, actually. Uh, among other things, she said that the guy was uh, completely impossible to work with. And uh, now it's it's okay to have this opinion. I mean, we all do not like when you're when you're on a movie set, you are the star or you're one of the actresses or actors in a movie. The director is ostensibly your boss. All right. Uh, technically, they're not the person that signs your paycheck, but at the end of the day, that's the person that is directing you. Thus, they are a director. They're the person that's telling you what to do, how to do it. They're your boss. All right, so we all have a problem with our boss, okay? If you're, if you're employed, chances are you hate your boss or you hate your boss's boss or you hate somebody that is in a supervisor position and you're wondering how the hell they got there in the first place. The difference is Megan Fox decided to voice that publicly. Now, technically, um, she's actually, this is not necessarily a new thing for her, but now her comments have all sort of come out. They've hit the spotlight and uh, there's a Transformers 3 and they decided they're not going to use her. Uh, now, uh, they there's, um, from what I see here, it's, it's, <sighs> some say that this is, oh, there's no real connection here. Listen, I say if you come out and you blast the director of a movie, and I mean, you call him things like a Nazi, and you say, he, she actually says that uh, she accuses him of, say, of, of uh, I guess, she, she says that she had to wash his car. She ha He had him do things like wash her car. <laughs> That's pretty funny. What's going to happen if you don't wash the car? Do you get kicked off the movie? I mean, is that... I refuse to wash the director's car. You're fired. You're done. Anyway, so she uh, makes all these allegations. Uh, why not? Here's an idea. If you're 24 years old and you're an allegedly a really hot chick that, you know, is going to have an, a, a great career ahead of you and no one knows who you are before Transformers, okay? Nobody really cares about you. But all of a sudden, then you become like super famous and, you know, you have you have some... You have some mojo going for you. I mean, she was on a Super Bowl commercial, and everybody remembers that. Um, yeah, well, Jeff Jeff doesn't, and I barely do. But I guess a lot of people remember it because Megan Fox is supposedly like just the hottest chick on planet Earth, according to many. Look, uh, might might just be a good idea if you're in that position to shut your mouth. See, if I was Megan Fox, I, I wouldn't. I'd be just like Sandra Bullock or I'd just be, be just like anybody else who gives these kiss-ass interviews. And I would talk about, I would say, Michael Bay's feces taste like chocolate. I mean, I have to tell you, his urine cures cancer. As far as I'm concerned, Michael Bay is like, the, he is the greatest director. He is better. He is a better director. As a matter of fact, let me just tell you right now. 
If Jesus directed a movie, he would take advice from Michael Bay. All right? And, yeah, more explosions. I don't think, look, Michael Bay, I don't think there's enough explosions in a Michael Bay movie. There's not. I want to see a box of cereal just spontaneously combust. If he's... <laughs> Michael Bay... Many of you don't know, Michael Bay actually was the director of a Honey Nut Cheerios commercial, but he kept having the bee explode. <laughs> it's a Honey F and O. It's Honey Nut Cheerios. Yeah. Hold on. We actually... Uh, I'm told... Hang on a second. I'm, I'm told that we actually have... We actually have some audio from a Michael Bay directed commercial. Wake up with the great taste of Honey Nut Cheerios. There it is. That was actually a Michael Bay direct. That was his first commercial that he ever directed. See, if I was Megan Fox, I would say, you know what? We need more explosions. And, and quite frankly, you know what? You're so good, you should just star in the thing. That's the kind of interview I would give. If I was stranded, if I, Megan Fox, if I'm Megan Fox, I say, if I was stranded on a desert island, I would eat his boogers to sustain myself. I would, quite frankly, um, he would never... Uh, his, his penis would fall off. I would fillet it so many times. If I was Megan Fox, that's what I would be saying. I wouldn't say anything bad about anybody. I mean, you know, I criticize Hollywood because that's all it is, is generally a kiss-ass fest. And I know I'm being a hypocrite right now because somebody did something that wasn't kiss-ass and now I am criticizing him. But see, that's the thing. The thing is, if you're 24 years old and you're Megan Fox and you think you know everything, shut up. You don't. You're number one. You're you're. Here's the things you have going that are strikes against you. Number one, you're female. Number two, you're 24 years old. Okay, you're not smart enough to know better. Shut up. I I realize Michael Bay. Uh, and as far as uh, what Jeff tells me, he's uh, he's just a terrible director. I mean, pretty much all he does is emphasizes explosions. Like everything is centered around blowing stuff up. And feedback. That explosion was so loud. Wow. All right, that explosion was so loud, it, it just sent a, a ringing. I now have, uh, I now have tinnitus. All right. Um, but still, I don't care. Look, if you're Sylvester Stallone, you could say whatever the hell you want. All right, you're Sylvester Stallone. I mean, well, he can barely talk, but... But I mean, if he could articulate himself, he'd probably tell you that he thought Michael Bay was a piece of crap and he'd be okay for doing so. You know, uh, hell, he's directed films. Yeah, if you're George Clooney, you can say whatever the hell you want. But see, she's not, she's Megan Fox. Nobody cares. See, even if you're Sandra Bullock, you could still get away with bashing something. She never would. Hell, she'd love to be in Transformers. I mean, her husband transformed into a bigot and a carouser. You mean he was already there? He might have been, yeah. Yeah. I heard anything that he said, so I'm just assuming it was probably there already and just buried. 
All right. Well, anyway, regardless, uh, that's the story on Megan Fox. That's why she is tool of the week. Thank you very much. All right. Next, uh, let me get to this. This is, I mentioned this, last week, Felipe Calderon, the president of Mexico, came up to the United States, decided he was going to have a little bash fest on the U.S., and here's how bad it was. First of all, he he bashed uh, Arizona for SB 1070. He called it, a, again, just another, he's another guy that says our law is misguided. He thinks that it's just, it's just a, a terrible deal for Mexico. And he went on a, a tirade blasting the U.S. basically for having it, for daring to have a state that would even, you know, endorse such a thing. But the president stood by, applauded and said, you know, you're such a great guy. And, and it was just a love fest from our, from our government toward Felipe Calderon. But here's the thing. Interestingly enough, so I was fully expecting the media after all of this to side with the president. Once again, the media surprised me a little bit. At least a few outlets did. This is a column from the Washington Times, and it's titled, this is, this is regarding President Felipe Calderon, it's entitled, Go Back to Mexico. I was shocked. Here it is. Mexico's President Felipe Calderon ought to know a lot about illegal immigrant abuse. His country has one of the worst migrant human rights records in the world. During his state visit last week, Mr. Calderon repeatedly and with support and encouragement from the White House and congressional Democrats made his opinions known on a variety of American domestic issues, including immigration and gun control. He took particular aim at Arizona's new law concerning illegal aliens, uh, SB 1070, absurdly describing it as, quote, violating the human rights of all people. Now, let's remember, this is the president of Mexico talking about human rights. The same president of the same country where uh, if you get pulled over, you just pay a few bucks. You, you slip uh, the, the, the cop a $20 bill and you're out of it. The same country where the middle class is all but completely evaporated and all you have are the haves and the have-nots. And I got to tell you something, the haves are outnumbered by the have-nots by a, an astonishing ratio. The column continues, criticism from uh, Mexico on immigration issues is nothing new, but really, uh, rarely rather, has it been so bold. And such salvos have never been launched from the U.S. soil. It might be considered bad manners, except for the fact that the foreign leader was was promoting President Barack Obama's domestic agenda. Yeah, I mean, this guy, he comes to our country, comes to the White House, breaks bread with the president, talks about how Arizona is, uh, we're, we're violating human rights. The president applauds. House Democrats applaud. He leaves. Everybody thinks it's great. I've never seen that from our country. I, even Bill Clinton, I don't think, would do that. I'm pretty sure. This guy is so out there. He is so far out in left field. Uh, anyway, uh, illegals in Mexico are lucky if deportation is all that happens to them if they get caught in the country illegally. If you go to Mexico and you're caught there, and uh, you're, you're caught you know, illegally uh, in Mexico. And by the way, just so you know, they require you to carry around ID all the time in Mexico. 
if you're not a citizen. Now, that's interesting. So they actually have far more stringent uh, immigration policies than we have here in the United States. Imagine that. And yet they're daring to criticize us. That's just, well, that's not really surprising now, is it? I'm not going to say surprising because it's not surprising. It's Mexico, for God's sake. It's Felipe Calderon. The guy is out of touch. Obviously. Okay. You know, I, I, I could continue. I could, I could really uh, dissect this if you want. But why bother? Interestingly enough, and this is something else that was on my desk and I never got to it. So Barack Obama made a, uh, we talked about his commencement speech at uh, West Point Academy. But how about this? We didn't talk about him visiting Kalamazoo Central High School in Michigan. Now, it's just another thing. The president, uh, this has always been a, a tradition. The president makes several commencement speeches or at least a couple of commencement speeches or you know, graduation speeches at colleges or high schools across the country. This is nothing new. But what I find interesting is that there's, uh, there's some people that will actually get to meet the president after the event. Some people get to meet the president, okay? And they're going to shake his hand. And uh, the, the, we're talking about the students now. The students get to shake his hand and everything like that. Very exciting. If you're a high school student getting to shake the hand of the president of the United States and say hello and, and meet the president, I mean, that's a big deal. I mean, even if it's a guy that you don't like, okay, whatever, it's a big deal. But guess, here's the thing. This is, this is the real kicker. In order to do that, in order to shake the president's hand, you are required to have a birth certificate, you are required to have proof of citizenship in the United States of America? Wait a minute. So you mean you have to be a legal U.S. citizen born in the United States of America? You have to show proof of citizenship. You have to have a birth certificate here in the United States. That's to meet the president. But if you just want to come in here willy-nilly... And you just want to walk around the streets and you just want to, you know, get a job here or something. You don't need to have that. But to meet the president, you need to have that. So the president has a very high standard for the people that he wants hanging around him because God knows there could be a, I don't know, a criminal. There could be somebody that may wish to do him harm. But, you know, anybody that we just let in the country, oh, we could just let them in willy nilly. Who cares? And uh, the other comment that I've heard about this, and I'm not saying this, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not the one that's saying this here, but other people have said, there's actually a guy that issued a challenge um, to any one of these high school students that'd be brave enough to do this. I, I have to admit, I, this would be great if, if one of these students actually would have done this. So the president is requiring you to show your birth certificate and proof of, uh, you know, pr proof of residence in the United States. And uh, one of, some guy is saying that one of the high school students should say to him, well, okay, Mr. President, you first. <laughs> see, that's one of those, I, I'm, see, I'm not one of these birther guys. I'm not one of these guys that's all about, uh, ah, I don't think the president was legally born in the United States. There's no proof. You know, I think that argument is tired and weak. And I think the people that go there, I just think that that's, you know, I think that it's a, 
it's grasping at straws. There's so many things to attack the president on. There's so many issues that you can go after the president about that that's just such a, it just, it makes you look like a nut job. And I'll tell you what, when we, when you have people that are running out there, we have enough problems defending ourselves from uh, the nuttiness of the Tom Hartmans and the uh, Bill Presses and the Randy Rhodes and all these other people that are on the left, all these other commentators, because of guys like Rand Paul and guys like, um, well, guys like these birther types. We have enough trouble defending positions uh, from those folks. Um, we don't need other nut jobs. We don't need more birthers. We don't need all that stuff. All right. This Rand Paul guy. See, this is the problem. Many of you, if you don't know, what you probably should know about me is I am a registered libertarian. But I, I want to qualify that by saying this. While I am a registered libertarian, I don't really... While it is the closest thing that represents my political ideology, it is not... I, I, I am not 100% aligned with the party. And I have to say this because, number one, the Arizona version of the libertarians are, are nuts. And apparently Rand Paul, who's basically a libertarian, this dude from Kentucky, he's nuts. Rand Paul made some interesting statements that he was uh, for revoking part of the Civil Rights Act. Because he's using, see, here's the thing about libertarians, and this is the problem. If, if I were to go before what you would call an orthodox or a true or a hardcore libertarian, they would say I'm not a libertarian at all because I am not for the abolishment of all personal income tax. I am not for the privatization of every aspect of government, including police and fire. I am not for uh, the complete dismantling of our, of our system of government as we know it, only to have a government that's there for the sole purpose of providing military defense and protection of sovereignty and basic infrastructure. I'm not, see, I'm not that far out in kookdom, okay? I, I'm not one of these people that believes that, that everybody will just volunteer money and pay for roads and pay for fire and pay for police that way, okay? I'm not that nutty. I, I, I'm... I'm in the camp of libertarian. I'm sort of the, I'm the like a, 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 I'm a, I'm a mix, I guess you could say. I am, believe it or not, a small part liberal. I'm a small part, uh, I'm a, a little bit bigger part conservative. And then I, I, there's a lot of libertarians sort of mixed in there. So guys like Rand Paul really make me kind of go, ugh. I mean, I actually have the libertarian, you know, distinction on my voter registration card and that makes me go eh, why do I have that I understand what the guy is saying the guy is saying that he doesn't want the government to have any say over over who private business decides to hire so in other words what he's saying is if private business doesn't want to hire you because you're a black guy they should have the right and if we extrapolate the libertarian argument all the way to its, what you would call all the way to the logical end, he is correct, except for the fact that nobody's that stupid. I'm not that stupid. I don't think that a, a business can just say, even though they, this happens all the time, businesses still do this. They just find other ways to do it. A business doesn't have the legal right to hire you because you're too old 
too young, except for the fact that there are child labor laws. But I mean, you know, too old, too young, uh, too fat, too thin. You're Christian, you're black, you're Hispanic, you're a male, you're a female, whatever the case may be. Except it does happen, but it doesn't happen as often as it probably would without a law. I mean, I don't think, I, I don't know. I don't know Rand Paul. I mean, he came back and he said that he's he's all about this, the the Civil Rights Amendment. He's all about the Civil Rights Act. He's not he's not going to try and repeal it, you know, that people have misstated it. He, he was supposed to appear on Meet the Press over the weekend. He decided to cancel it because he doesn't want to go before the liberal bias media. Sarah Palin was saying that, you know, uh, there's a lot of uh, prejudice out there in the media. Well, we know that. So, okay, I get some of his position. I understand a little bit where he's coming from there, but to say such dumb things, it really does give the libertarian idea a bad name and it, it gives the Tea Party movement a bad name. And unfortunately, when you when you say stupid things like that, it only emboldens Democrats. It only emboldens the nuts out there like the, the Tom Hartmans and all these guys. It only emboldens them uh, to take shots at the mainstream sort of Tea Party or the mainstream conservative or the mainstream libertarian kind of people. And it gives them an opportunity to take real shots at it. And and even though they're, they, they don't have any real substance because Rand Paul is one person, he's an, obviously an extremist in there. He's not what you would consider a mainstream guy. But it gives them the opportunity to polarize further. And to try and and solidify their base and saying, see, these are nuts. And then they get people to call up their shows and go, see, they are nuts. You know, that's what happens. And they extrapolate a couple of sound bites and they make them look further nutty. I mean, I know the game, the game is very obvious. So that's the problem when you have guys like this Rand Paul that are running out there. That's Ron Paul's son, I do believe, right? Yeah. And Ron Paul is not, he's not completely wacky himself. He's an okay guy in some regard. Uh, I, I certainly uh, believe in some of the things that he has said. And I, it's just like, uh, there are lots of libertarians I certainly believe with uh, some of the philosophy of the libertarian party. Some things. I certainly believe in uh, some of the philosophies of conservatives, uh, generally speaking. There's a few liberal ideas, believe it or not, that I'm that I'm cool with. I don't care if you're gay and you want to get married, fine. I I have no problem with uh, I have no problem with legalizing marijuana. I don't care. Well, again, you know, it's all it all goes back to uh, this is these are all issues that are they're just wedge issues. They're stupid wedge issues. Gay marriage is a wedge issue. Gays in the military is a wedge issue. It is. They're, they're wedge, um, you know, um, legalizing marijuana is really a wedge issue. It's, it's just there. It's, it's driven in to sort of be a dividing point. It's not really a controversial point. It's, it's very simple. These are easy issues to resolve. These are very easy issues to talk about and figure out. They're, for the, I mean, they're, they're victimless crimes, and yet they're, they're considered moral outrageous. Moral outrage to have gays in the military or to have openly gay people in the military. It's a moral outrage to, to, to decriminalize or legalize marijuana. It is a moral outrage to have gays married. 
Well, uh, moral is not legal. Moral is set up by the individual. If you have a problem with gay marriage, great. Don't get married to a gay guy or a gay woman. You know, act upon your morals. If you believe it's wrong to have sex before marriage, then by God, don't do it. But don't tell other people what to do. You know, that's the problem with some of these people. That's the problem with like this Rand Pauly. You know, I, I'm, I'm all for smaller government. I think aside from, um, from what I would consider a minority of the United States, and we all know that about 21% of themselves identify, or 21% of the people identify themselves as, as liberal. And I mean like really liberal. We know most people in this country, well, we know of, of the spectrum, if you go liberal, moderate, conservative, or liberal, independent, conservative, we know that 40% of the people are in the middle. They consider themselves centrists. So the biggest percentage of the pie is in the middle. And, um, you know, I think, I think that's, that's a good thing. I think that that's really, really where we're at here. And I think that's fine. I don't know. All this stuff is just, it, it's maddening. It's very maddening. Oh, well, whatever. Let me see here. Oh, and I have to get to this because this comes from uh, a completely backwards part of the world. We go to Tehran, of course. Iran's second biggest city has massively increased the amount of fines for women who fail to observe the Islamic dress code and don't cover their hair properly, media reported. So this is, again, morality. And here it is. Morality police. They actually have morality police in Tehran. These are the people that we're trying to have negotiations about over their nuclear weapons program. If you can believe it. Morality police around Iran are beginning their annual spring crackdown on women wearing too much makeup, daring to show their hair or dressing in a way that shows their body contours too clearly. In the holy city of Masabd, the public prosecutor has increased the fine to 1.3 million tomans, roughly $1,300, a hefty sum in a country where a teacher's monthly salary is around $500. Quote, in the past, the penalty for not observing the Islamic dress code was 50,000 tomans, along with two months imprisonment. You've put on too much makeup, you're going to jail. Mashad's public uh, and revolutionary prosecutor, Mohammed Zoghi, told the semi-official Fars News Agency. Actually, it's, it's farce. I mean, it's F-A-R-S. I say farce, but I mean, it could be farce. It is a farce. The whole thing's a farce. Men are also targets of the spring crackdown as police can confiscate the cars of young males found sexually harassing or trying to pick up women. 
Hey, baby, I can see your ankle. Oh, that is so hot. I, I saw her ankle for a moment. In the capital, Tehran, over the past two years, police have seized some 50 vehicles, lining them up in the street to serve as a warning to other men. That's good. I have to tell you, this is just, uh, this is just too much. That's the country. We're, we're going to try and negotiate their nuclear program. We're going to try and be reasonable with those people. Can you imagine? And then this. Representative Patrick, Ken- uh, Patrick Kennedy said last week that Mexican President Felipe Calderon had been right on in criticizing Arizona's new immigration enforcement law. Of course, he's part of the uh, House Oversight and Government Reform Subcommittee on National Security and Foreign Affairs. So it's great that he even comes out and blasts the state of Arizona. He's part of national security. With people like this on national security, I can't imagine why Arizona decided to take matters into its own hands. Quote, well, he's right on, Kennedy told CNN. I mean, it violates the spirit of our own Constitution. How? How? Right now. Come on, someone tell me. How does it violate the spirit of the Constitution? How? And if it does, if it does, the federal law does it, and every other state law that, that's out there that has this kind of thing does it as well. And quite frankly, uh, every other country that has immigration law violates the spirit of human rights. We should all be able to go anywhere we want and do whatever we want. That's what we should do. There, how about that for a libertarian? Yeah, let's just all do what we want. Quote, so you know, we had a tragic history in this country. The most shameful parts of our history were when we had our slaves, when we had our slave trade, when we, the trail of tears, when we did to our Native Americans. And, you know, the proudest moments in our history are when we had this, are when, are when we had the Civil Rights Act, when we moved forward on integration and expanding the opportunities for all of our citizens. In other words, yeah, his grammar is terrible, but he says it's absolutely, he compares Arizona's SB 1070 to slave trade. Yeah, because as you know, enforcing immigration law is the same thing as capturing a black person and having them do indentured servitude for you, having them be a, a worker for you in the hopes that one day you'll set them free. We all know that that's the same thing. I can't imagine why congressional approval is so low. I can't imagine why we have a, uh, another movement in this country, why we have the Tea Party movement in the first place, when we have such solid representation as that that makes the comparison between SB 1070 and the slave era, where we went to, when we, when we had people shipped in from other continents, not just blacks, by the way, I mean, Irish were slaves, just about anybody that was not a white male property. We had female slaves. We had slaves from all over the place. I can't imagine that people would dare to compare a law that enforces immigration and protects the sovereignty of the United States to something where we actually took other human beings and said, you're not even worth butt kiss to us. You're, you're worth nothing. You get to be my slave because I have more power than you. I own a gun and I have money and a home and property and you don't. 
that's that's just ridiculous. That is absurd. And for somebody to say that is not only irresponsible, but doesn't know their history. And quite frankly, it's a slap in the face to all of those people that for centuries were slaves, not only in the United States, but around the world. And the people that are still being used as slaves today to compare the two. One is a law that protects the United States, that protects the security of the United States, the financial security, the physical security, and one uh, with, with, with people uh, being forced against their will with the potential punishment of, of death to do work, unpaid or generally unpaid labor. Give me a break. Then on a lighter note, I actually wouldn't call this a lighter note, but in a, let's just say in a completely different direction that's very disturbing in its own right. Have you ever been riding on an airplane and had somebody just, you know, kicking the back of your seat? It's annoying, isn't it? Imagine you're trying to take a nap and someone's kicking the back of your seat. Well, the reason they were doing it is they're trying to wake you up to let you know that uh, you're being sexually assaulted. A 63-year-old New Jersey man has been arrested for reaching under the blanket of a sleeping woman aboard a continental flight and sexually abusing her. Remesh Advani was arrested by the FBI <clears throat> was arrested by the FBI when flight 98 uh, landed at Newark Liberty Airport. The woman and two witnesses described a sickening encounter on the flight from Hong Kong. Advani allegedly touched the woman's genitalia, groin, and inner thigh, all while he moved napkins un around inside of his pants, court papers said. Two passengers witnessed the alleged sexual assault and kicked the woman's chair in an attempt to wake her up. Investigators would not say if the woman had taken sleeping pills on or was on other medication on the international flight. U.S. Attorney Paul Fishman said that Advani, who is uh, from Berkeley Heights, could face up to three years in prison if convicted. This case is under federal investigation. It is uh, in the federal jurisdiction, of course, because the plane was over international waters when the alleged attack occurred. Advani is expected to... Um, be arraigned in Newark Federal Court on Monday. His attorney, John Arlia, declined to comment on the charges. That's sick. And then finally, this for you. It's, uh, it's always great when lawyers sue their law firms that they worked for because they got fired. I was just reading a story. We, we were just going through a story today about uh, there's, a, there's a local TV uh, attorney here. Phillips and Associates that uh, found themselves in some hot water because um, here's a surprise. TV attorneys that were more interested in getting clients to sign on the dotted line than maybe giving them representation. They wanted their money, in other words. There's a shock. But this story is even better. A high-flying lawyer suing, for a, uh, suing a leading city law firm for 3.5 million pounds for sex discrimination has claimed that it is, quote, natural for men to rape and beat women. Well, there you go. She should represent the guy from the last story. Deidre Clark, 44, 
was sacked from her 126,000 pound a year job with Allen and Overy. <laughs> with Allen and Overy for writing an erotic novel on the internet. She claims that she suffered sexual persuasion by her 50-year-old married boss and is suing the firm for discrimination and unfair dismissal. It has now emerged that since leaving the firm, Ms. Clark has been writing a newspaper column telling of her love of sadomasochistic sex and bondage. She says that she prefers boyfriends who are, quote, real men, whom she describes as cavemen born to fight and rape. She writes, quote, Men have been dragging women by the hair since caveman days. It's in their nature to be violent. The human male has evolved to slap, to, uh, slap his slutty woman. If you're hanging out with real men and you're a little slutty, you're going to get hit, period, she says. Ms. Clark describes rape as, quote, simply part of human nature, adding, quote, at any rate, it works out perfectly for me. When it gets, wow, when it gets to raping and pillaging, I say, bring it on, baby. Ms. Clark was, you know what? I, I think I'm in love. Ms. Clark was sacked from Allen and Overy's Moscow office for bringing the firm into, uh, into disrespute with the exploits of a hard-drinking, sex-mad character called Dasha. Her novel, Expat, written as Deidre Dare, was seen as exposing the, uh, the debauched sex and drug lifestyle of a highly paid West uh, Westerners of highly paid uh, Westerners in Moscow. She says the novel is uh, not about colleagues and she had the right to publish a fictional story. She claims that her dismissal was uh, down to boss Tony Humphrey, who says that uh, he became sexually obsessed with her following a steamy clinch that they shared in full view of colleagues. Since she was sacked in December 2008, Ms. Clark has been writing a controversial column for the Moscow News called Sexpat. So there you go. Oh, in one article, there's more. In one article, she wrote, quote, anyone who has spent even five minutes in bed with me knows that I have a strong proclivity for S&M. My experience in the area ranges from the mild to the extreme. According to how much experience my partner has and what he or she likes. She goes on to say that she's been slapped and thrown into walls by jealous Russian boyfriends and mocks Western women for seeking restraining orders over domestic violence. Ms. Clark writes, quote, men are born to fight and rape and in the West, we generally don't permit them to do either. Maybe all of the self-restraint men are forced to endure in the West is what uh, has led to their uh, emasculation. She goes on to say, it's hard to call something wrong if it's simply part of human nature. The human male has evolved to slap his slutty woman. Otherwise, he might end up raising the fruit of some other dude's loins. Wow. And she got fired from the law firm for writing this in a, in a book and in a column. 
Well, actually, she wrote the column after she got canned. But she wrote a book about a about a uh, completely nutty, sexy woman who it turns out to be is kind of like her. I could see that. I mean, that's just that is it's bringing disrepute to the law firm. Oh, uh, yeah. I want the slutty attorney, please. You know, it's funny is you probably couldn't even insult this woman. She's not even really a bad looking chick either. I mean, considering you, you'd figure that a 44 year old lawyer that's all slutty and stuff, you'd figure that she'd probably look, you know, kind of like and she's Russian. You figure she'd kind of look like, I don't know, me or Jeff. But she doesn't. She doesn't look too bad, actually. I mean, you know, I, I, I'd probably go up and punch her right in the face. I mean, I wouldn't get in trouble. That's what she likes. Can you imagine you're walking down the street and, and, and it's like, oh, that's the woman that likes to be, you know, beat up. And so, so you like go over there and you hit her and then people are just outraged. And she goes, no, I like it. You're coming with me. Of course, then you realize that, you know, she's Russian and she takes off the clothes and it looks like she's still wearing clothes. She's got all that hair. Yeah. Yeah, nothing like having sex and, and it generates so much static electricity that you go into cardiac arrest. That's no good. All the hair starts a fire. Your hair gets caught up on each other. You're pulling out each other's hair because it's all like in knots. You can braid her chest hair. Russian women, you know how it goes. And you know how they are about hygiene over there. The S&M would be like she she lifts up her arm. She puts her armpit in your face. You like, baby? I had no shower for the last four weeks. Sorry. Here in uh, Eastern Europe, we don't shower. Shower is for weak Westerners. You listen here. The Soviet Russia, shower uh, soaks you or whatever. I mean, seriously, it's like I, I can only imagine what this woman is like. Wow. Oh, well, whatever. All I hear is about... Uh, yeah, she likes... Let's see. She likes rape. She likes rape. She likes being beat up. She likes S&M. She likes to be thrown into walls. She likes it rough. Now, listen, there... I, I mean, I, I don't mind being a little rough, but I mean, this would be the kind of chick like... You'd be afraid of how rough she'd want it. She'd be like, is that all you can do? Like, you, you throw her into a wall and it knocks out a part of the wall and she's like... Is that the best you got, baby? Because quite frankly, that is pussy throw right there. You, you are, you are, you are like me. You are like bitch. You are not nothing to me right now. I crush you like a paper cup. I crush you. Yeah, I expected it to look like Zangief from the Street Fighter, uh, from the Street Fighter series. She doesn't look like it. She's, uh, she's not, she's not bad. How about that? That's the wildest story of the day right there. All right. Anyway, Mike at KMGX.com. I think that's the important part of all this is that is the email address. It is Mike at KMGX.com. That's also our PayPal address for the uh, for the contributions to this show. AOL Instant Messenger, Michael Groff Show, the screen name is M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-R-O-F-F Show on AOL Instant Messenger, EFNet IRC. You know how it goes. The channel is Net Radio. Um, if you have any problem with any of that, all of our contact information is available at the one, the only, michaelgroff.com. So you're more than welcome to 
go and uh, participate over there. Yeah, should you like. All right, so we had we had a woman that got fired because she badmouthed the director and pretty much, you know, said that Hollywood sucks. Oh, I have to. Speaking of Hollywood, I have to mention this before we get out of here. Guess who's getting his own star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame? Chris Berman. Right now, my stomach is turning. It's I'm going to throw up. Yes, Mr. Brack, Brack, Brack. Where's... Hold on a minute. Turn this off for a second. We gotta, we, I can't get out of here yet. I have to play... Never mind his home run calls on baseball. Those are atrocious enough. Or when he's doing Monday Night Football and he tries to do the Howard because he could go all the... When he does that, that's that's annoying enough too. We I want to find that rant where he goes off about, um, about somebody walking in front of the camera. And uh, this is... Chris Berman is is just he's he is he's a douche as Jeff says he he is an ass. Let me see if we can find this. I I want to I want to see if we have this. Here we go. Here it is. When I'm doing TV and I got 18, God damn it! Can't everybody stop for 10 minutes? I mean, everybody seems that that's the only everybody can we stick. Jesus Christ! I mean, it's not that much to ask. Is that when everybody has to move when I'm trying to concentrate? This is the guy that's going to get a, a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Although that's kind of a scam anyway, because, you know, you have to pay for it. You have to pay for your star and you have to pay for like maintaining it. It's, it's quite a bit of money, too. I, I hate Chris Berman. And by the way, it should just be. I, I can't stand this guy. And ESPN has done a pretty good job sort of shielding him from most things. Because uh, he's just so pompous. He's just so ugh, he's such a blithering ass. But anyway, here's more of his. Belt Jesus. And these guys thought I was a pain. I mean, that's so rude. I can't believe it. That's it's so goddamn rude. Just why does everyone all of a sudden have to move? I've had two fucking hours to move around. Wait 10 minutes. Jesus. I'm sorry to explode by that, but that's it's like no one's ever worked on TV here before. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Tucking under the kill. What the fuck do they think I'm doing? I, I, Look, it's not brain surgery. You're doing Monday night football, dude. I mean, you're you're breaking down a game. You're you're giving the highlights, and you're freaking out because some dude moved somewhere. And I mean, I understand if some guy walks in front of your shot. I mean, that is unprofessional. I get it. You're trying to do a, you're trying to do one of these. You're trying to cut a promo or something, and it's very annoying. I get it. As a guy that's melted down on somebody that's written bad copy before. We've played many of my highlights, but still, I mean, come on. You're working for ESPN. This isn't a particularly hard job. You're going to read off a teleprompter. Shut up. Really? I actually can't believe what I just saw. Not now. It's like no one here has worked on TV before. I hear a dial tone. And there were seven people, though. I mean, Jesus. We he's, need to use the studio for 15 fucking minutes. Just everybody, you know. He's all fat. There's uh, there's Chris Berman melting down. That's that's a that's always a classic bit.
That's always a classic bit. I, I wish um, I wish we had more. I'd love to hear more of Chris Berman meltdowns. That's that's the only one I've got here. It's great. All right. I think we can proceed with the close now. He's going to get his own uh, star, though. I think that's good. He deserves it. <laughs> All right, we are back tomorrow for another edition of the... Oh, we got to do the pop, uh, the pop chart, I think, on the show tomorrow. We'll probably do that. We'll squeeze that in for you. See what's going on in the world of pop music. And um, I think we've done like four shows worth of show tonight. If I'm wrong, then I'll have to go look. I, I, it seems like it. I think it's already Tuesday. Regardless, we'll be back tomorrow. Have a great night, everybody. See you then. Thanks to Jeff for joining us in studio. And thanks to me, because without me, this podcast really wouldn't have a whole lot of substance, would it? A lot more best of podcasts also to put up soon as well. All right. Thank you. Have a great night, everybody.